everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and in case you're brand new to the show, this show is all about Magic the Gathering, where I bring on guests from content creators to pro players to more, as well as have some solo episodes where I ramble on and on about this wonderful card game known as Magic the Gathering. This week may not be a very long episode because we are going to be talking about some M19 spoilers. We're going to talk about a little bit about Magic Arena and some of my thoughts on it, especially regarding the economy, and also the burnout of Magic the Gathering. Um, Definitely been feeling the burnout lately, and um, just getting to some of my thoughts about that as well. So before we begin, um, I am scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th, as well as Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. And Magic Wazubi can be found on Facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi, on Twitter at Magic Wazubi, on Gmail at MTGZubi at gmail.com, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. Uh, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. We're also on YouTube. Just search for Magic Wazubi on YouTube to subscribe. And... You can help support Magic Wazubi on Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwazubi. Would like to give a shout out to Jungle Fiver, aka Max Diamond, for being the newest Magic Wazubi Patreon or patron. And just want to give a big shout out to that. That is really awesome. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, uh, let me pull up the correct Twitter account here. Was it at Jungle? Hold on. Hold on. I'm finding it, finding it, finding it at jungle fiver that's j-u-n-g-l-e-f-i-v-e-r on twitter you can see him he does a bunch of magic streams um every so often and he's got some he does a really good job streaming and he's also got a youtube channel as well so be sure to check him out there a really cool guy um yeah, and if you want to be a part of the Magic Zuby patron or Patreon, uh, definitely check that out. There's a lot of cool um, stuff there. And also, I'm trying to work on some merchandise because, you know, everybody's slinging their merchandise. And the reason why I'm trying to work on it more than anything is because I want it more for myself more than anything. And not that I don't want to be able to give it out to you all. Um, I did have a T-shirt made, but there were some issues with the company saying that oh you know part because since i have the word magic in it it's copyrighted but i'm not using anything with magic the gathering it's just sort of magic with zuby because it you know if you wanted to make an argument it is very ambiguous so to say i mean this magic it could be any kind of magic like you know the magic of my voice for one thing so i'm trying to work on that i definitely want to get play mats and t-shirts at a minimum at least and even if i'm just giving this stuff away you know i'd I'd like to be able to hell yeah maybe i'd like to give some of that stuff away if i can and all that so we'll see there it's i'm trying to work on it and just see where it goes from there um magic wazubi is sponsored by manatraders.com if you're tired of buying singles online in order to play events, uh, Mana Traders allows you to rent any cards and decks you want for a monthly price. Be sure to check them out and use coupon code MTGZUBI. That's MTGZUBI when you check out and get 15% off your first three months. That's MTGZUBI, M-T-G-Z-U-B-Y. Uh, the value is real with that. I've The few people that I've had use my code love the value that they get from it. And um, yeah, so the... I'm going to go ahead and let's get on with the show and here are the rest of the ads here. 
Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to legitmtg.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at legitmtg.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at legitmtg.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on magic singles and magic sealed product available. Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! Let me ask you a question. Have you been living the Tier 2 life to the fullest? Welcome to Fission, a podcast where we discuss a deck with pun potential that's off the scales. From deck techs to sideboard guides to gameplay videos and in-depth Dirk Diggler speculation, there is guaranteed to be something for you. So look for Fission, a merfolk podcast wherever you find your podcasts and at FissionMTG on all the social media sites. We'll see you on the net. So core set 19 is quickly coming upon us. I can't believe how fast this set is coming out. It feels like we just got Dominaria, right? I mean, I, it has been almost three months now. Uh, came, Dominaria came out in April and May and June. Well, May already passes. June is quickly passing us, and it comes out in the middle of July, which is only a couple weeks away, man. It's I, I can't believe how freaking crazy fast <laughs> this year has gone by. It's already more than halfway to Christmas right now, if you can believe that already. So... Uh, without getting into feeling like I'm really old, let's talk about M19 here. And at the time of this recording, uh, the set has not been completely spoiled, but there is a large chunk of the set that has been spoiled. I think all that's left are probably some maybe one-off rares and commons and uncommons. And who boy, this set, it definitely looks a lot of fun to draft here. And there are some very spicy reprints. Oh, that spicy. Ooh, it's a, a spicy meatball reprint. Yeah. Um, I guess let's start off with the reprints, right? Uh, some of the reprints they're doing here are, um, let's, the, I guess lack of a better word to say is crazy. Uh, you, the type of reprints that we've seen so far are really expensive reprints that are much needed right now. It doesn't seem like they'll break standard in any way. And, you know, I'm glad because these are needed for modern and especially EDH. Uh, some of the reprints have been Omniscience, which is the seven casting cost, three blue enchantment. You may cast spells from your hand without paying their mana costs. I d have been definitely eyeing a copy of that for Crucifix for EDH. And now I can gladly 
get that card probably at not a super expensive price now because you know the the price is going to go down when m19 comes out um not very standard playable unless you're playing some sort of simic ramp which I can't see why you would ever want to play this. And it's a really terrible draft card. It's way too expensive for it to be even useful in draft. And, you know, this is definitely one of those casual kind of cards. And I welcome it. And I can't wait to get some copies of it, finally. Um, another one is probably a bigger surprise than Omniscience is Scapeshift. The two and two green sorceries sacrifice any number of lands. Search your library for up to that many land cards. Put them on the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. This card was reaching well over $50, if I remember. And it's not broken in standard. I mean, the only way I can see it being broken in standard is if it somehow breaks a Tatyova Benthic druid um the the one legendary creature that came out in dominaria where whenever you play a land you gain a life and draw a card um i can see this card being really good in brawl it went you know but i i still you know i really need to try brawl i just need to suck it up and build a deck and give it a shot but the thing is there's no one in my area that plays brawl so it's sort of like what's the point of me building a deck uh, my buddy george came up to me and you know, talking about there's some brawl tournament going on in a month or two to, you know, win some boxes or something. And he said, we should join. And I'm like, that means I have to play brawl, not trying to knock brawl down or anything. It's just no, no one else plays it around here. And I'm just sort of, eh. you know, it, my area is very heavy into standard modern and commander so, legacy. If people can get into it, you know, but that's looking fewer and fewer. Um, so those were Omniscience and Scapeship, and there was another really spicy reprint. It was an artifact. Where are you, Mr. Artifact? That was Crucible of Worlds, which was another card reaching over $50. It's a three-casting artifact, which says you may play land cards from your graveyard. Uh, this card was most notably used in EDH with, you know, land card and graveyard strategies. Um... I've never really seen it played too much in modern. Maybe some fringe decks play it, but it's you know it's it's a much needed reprint, very casual card, and um, yeah, it's I, I'm excited about. It. Like I said, I can see this being used in brawl a lot with Tatyova and maybe some standard. I don't know. I'd be interested to see if you could be able to use this in standard in any way. It's um so those were the three big reprints that I saw that seem to be pretty, pretty uh, fun here. Um, let's get into some of the other mythics of M19, especially some of these Planeswalker cards. Some of them seem interesting. A lot of them, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest here. I'll, I feel like the design space for Planeswalkers is getting to a point where you're seeing the same Planeswalker come out. It may be a different name, maybe even be a different Planeswalker, but you're seeing the same abilities being printed over and over and over again. And I think I talked about this before in a previous episode, and it's, I don't, I'm just, I'm finding it harder and harder to get excited about Planeswalkers lately. Uh, George came up to me, was super excited about the new Sarkin, and then I had to burst his bubble and say, well, the new Sarkin, it's, it's decent, it's good. But it's you have to spend so many turns before even that ultimate is even useful. And even then, that ultimate isn't even very exciting. Granted, I get it. This is a core set, and core sets usually are a little bit more uh, simple. They're, they're not as complicated. And I get that. I respect it. 
it's just it's getting to a point where i'm just i'm not getting really that excited for them anymore you know what i mean it's it's the same abilities um but just worded differently and maybe a different color you know some color bending here and yeah so let's go over them um let's go over the five planeswalkers that are going to be in the core set i'm not talking about the planeswalker uh decks i'm not going to mention those well i mean uh, no no i won't really talk about those because those those planeswalker deck cards there's five of them this time besides the usual two those are really more contained within themselves and are meant to somewhat be balanced against each other because those those create i mean they're they're not standard playable for the most part but like i said they're, they're supposed to be balanced against each other so i'm going to be just talking about the five that have been that are going to be in the regular set that you could, would be able to open up and draft First up, we've got a Johnny Adversary of Tyrants, which is two and two white, a Johnny Planeswalker. I um, really like the art of this. It's sort of a Johnny, um, you know, standing tall and roaring at someone, probably most likely Nicol Bolas. Johnny's always been one of my favorite uh, Planeswalker characters, and I'm glad to see him again because last time we saw a Johnny as a Planeswalker card was Aether Revolt. And um, I just, I love having a Johnny in the story and we just need more Ajani all the time. Uh, sorry, Gideon, but I find Ajani to be a much more interesting character than you, buddy. Sorry to put it that way. Uh, so Ajani, Adversary of Tyrants, what does he do? Uh, he starts off with four loyalty counters, and his plus one is put a 1-1 one -one counter on each of up to two target creatures. You know, pretty standard Ajani fare. Um, better than what Ajani Caller the Pride can do, because... A Johnny Caller of Pride only does one one counter on up to one target creature, but a, a Caller of the Pride is one mana less. Um, a Johnny's negative two is return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. You know, depending on the type of creatures that are available, especially in standard, this may not be too bad, but it's um, very limited since it's only two two converted mana costs or less. I can see this being useful in maybe EDH or something. I can't say modern because you'd want to be doing better stuff by turn four if you're playing white at that point. Um, so it's not that bad of an ability. It, it's always nice to be able to return a creature from the graveyard to the battlefield. So his ultimate is a negative seven. You get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, create three one one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. Not the greatest ultimate since it does happen at your end step, which gives your opponent a whole turn the ability to do something about them. I'm not that crazy about it. The plus side is... You know, you do be able to get to create creatures at your end step, which may give you the ability to block your opponent's creatures from attacking you if they're playing an aggro deck, something like that. Um, I still feel it's pretty weak. I, I would like this better if it said at the beginning of your upkeep, create three one one white cat creature tokens, because at least you'd be able to possibly do something with those tokens on your turn. You know, maybe if you had a, an ability to a way to give them haste something like that other than that i feel like it's not the greatest ultimate um overall the card is okay in my opinion it's not the greatest it's not the most exciting uh definitely limited playable if i had to say and you know i wouldn't say it's unstoppable or anything like that it can't really protect itself that well and um yeah 
So that was a Johnny adversary of tyrants. Uh, next, we've got Blue, which is Tezzeret. We got a new Tezzeret planeswalker. I got to say, Tezzeret Artifice Master. I got to say, the art seems really weird. He looks super skinny, more robotic looking than ever. And um, I don't know. It's he, I mean, I, I get it. He's got the metal arm and all that. But he, I don't know. I'm just not liking the new look of Tezzeret. He looks too weird to me. Uh, he's a three uh, double blue casting cost. He's five altogether. Starts off with five loyalty. His um, plus one is create a 1-1 colorless stopped or artifact creature token flying. That's not bad. Creates a token and allows you to protect Tezzeret if needed. Uh, his zero is draw a card. If you control three or more artifacts, draw two cards instead. It's a very good ability because it's very easy to get three or more artifacts out on the field. And especially... You know, if that plus one does help you bring to that three artifact threshold. So not only can it protect itself, it gives you value by drawing cards. At worst, you're drawing one card. At best, you're drawing two cards, which I can't say anything bad about that. His ultimate is a negative nine, so it will take four turns just for you to even be able to do the ultimate. Or well, five turns if you yeah, account because it'll take four turns to get to nine and then another turn to even use the ultimate. So five turns. Um, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, search your library for a permanent card, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So it's a planar bridge effect. That is not bad at all. I mean, granted, out of all three abilities, that's not the best one. The drawing of the cards is probably the best one out of them. But if you do manage to get up to nine and you can alt him, then by all means do it because you're just in complete value. So at Every end step, you're going to be able to get either a really big creature or a card that's just going to help you win the game. Uh, much better than a Johnny's card, and I would definitely play this. If I pulled this in a draft, it would be first pickable and play it. You know, just, just the draw engine is enough for me to want to be able to play it. Next, we've got Liliana Untouched by Death. It's a two and two black Liliana Planeswalker with four loyalty counters. Uh, her plus one is put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. If at least one of them is a zombie card, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So if you're definitely playing some sort of graveyard uh, strategy, this is good. Uh, and then in, obviously you'd want to be playing some sort of zombie card for this to even be useful, the plus one. Uh, I mean, it's not necessary. It's getting cards in your graveyard is probably the most important part of this. Um, the negative two states target creature gets negative X, negative X until end of turn where X is the number of zombies you control. Great. As said before, if you're playing zombies, that's a really good ability. If not, then why are you playing this card to begin with? Um, her negative three is you may cast zombie cards from your graveyard this turn. So you can do that uh, uh, right away. That's her ultimate. Um, not the greatest ultimate right away. I mean, you can do it as soon as she comes out, and then, well, you'd be able to do it again in four more turns, or, I mean, two more, yeah, three more turns, I mean, and it's just not that strong, to be honest. I mean, I'm not really liking anything about this card. There have been definitely better Liliana cards, and this one just kind of screams to me, meh. I mean, it's almost... Um, I mean, hell, even Liliana of the Dark Realms is better than this, and that one's not a very, you know, highly played Liliana Planeswalker card. So I'm kind of very meh about this Planeswalker, to be honest. 
Uh, next, we've got the Red Planeswalker, Sarkin Fireblood. This is the one I had to burst George's bubble on. It's a one in two red Planeswalker. Starts off with three loyalty. His plus one is you may discard a card if you do draw a card. You know, not a bad looting effect. You know, it's always good to have some sort of card draw in red, especially for a Planeswalker. His other plus one is add two mana in any any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast dragon spells. Well, if you're not playing dragons, this is not a very good plus one. Most of the time, you just want to do the looting effect. Um, I mean, if you're playing dragons, yeah, this is this is decent. Otherwise, I'm just sort of eh about it. It's it, and it really only becomes useful at turn four at that point, or you'd be able to cast a, you know, possible six, you know, six drop dragon on turn four. Um, his ultimate negative seven is create four five five red dragon creature tokens with flying. I mean, it's really really powerful, but the dragon tokens don't even have haste, so it's sort of eh. I mean. The best ability on this is the plus one, the looting effect. The negative seven, unless you're giving them haste, it's sort of, you know, it's okay. And those tokens are just so easily dealt with. It's, you know, it's not that not that exciting. In, in limited, I would definitely play this card. But, I mean, you would, it would take five turns just to get to the ultimate at that point. And, you know, hopefully you draw into some sort of win con or hopefully that you know, other plus one does help you. And last but certainly not least is the green uh, Planeswalker, and that's the new one, Vivian Reed. Three and two green uh, Planeswalker starts off with five loyalty. This is the one where it was definitely, you know, kind of, you know, meh, I guess I could say. Um, it's not bad by any means. It's just not exciting, I guess I could say. Uh the plus one ability she does is look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in, in any order or in a random order. So, draw, you know, digging through your deck is never bad. Um, it's a, and you, you get to reveal a creature or land. It's sort of like an adventurous impulse, but instead of three cards, it's four cards. So that's not bad. Um, definitely not bad and limited either. The negative three, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or creature with flying. Pretty standard green stuff. And then the negative eight is you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus two, plus two, have vigilance, trample, and indestructible. So, like I said, it's not a bad card. It's just kind of meh. You know, it's not the most exciting. Uh, would definitely play this in limited, obviously, of course. But um, it's... You know, it's not the most exciting. I mean, out of all the Planeswalkers, the five that we just talked about, none of them are, you know, going back to Liliana, her effects aren't very exciting. They're they're very, very narrow in scope. And Sarkin, kind, just kind of boring, to be honest. Is for, for the other Sarkins that we've had before, the Sarkin is kind of, you know... To, to me, it's boring, essentially. I mean, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker, even Sarkin Vol or Sarkin Unbroken were just a lot more exciting, to be honest. Um, and then Vivian Reed, it's just kind of your basic green abilities that you see. Tezzeret, to me, is the best Planeswalker out of the five here. And, um, oh, there is one more Planeswalker I need to mention here, which I almost, almost forgot until just now, and that is the Nicobolus Planeswalker that is in the set. It's a Planeswalker flip card, by the way, and the card reads Nicobolus the Ravager. It's a one in Grixis, so one blue, red 
and black. Well, I can't believe it. I, I looked right at black and I'm like, oh, it's red. You know, uh, it's a legendary creature, Elder Dragon 4-4 with flying. When Nicobolus the Ravager enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. No, not too bad. Uh, you can pay four and blue, black, red. Exile Nicobolus the Ravager, then return him to the battlefield. Transform under his owner's control. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So you could play the creature and right away, if you had enough mana, you could flip him right away as well. So... What does Nicobolus the Arisen do? So this is sort of the origin planeswalker of Nicobolus. And it starts off with seven loyalty. His plus two is draw two cards. Right away, that's not bad. I like drawing cards. Negative three is Nicobolus the Arisen deals 10 damage to target creature planeswalker. That's pretty good. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, negative four, put target creature or planeswalker card from a graveyard under the battlefield onto the battlefield under your control. So that's even real that's even better because you can target your opponent's graveyards and this is just screams um you know EDH playable to me. And then negative 12 exile all but the bottom card of target player's library. I mean, it's it's not a bad ultimate, right? Not bad at all. You'd be able to do it in what three turns. Yeah, it's nine, oh no, four turns. Sorry. Um, I don't know how to math very well, so forgive me. And, um, I mean, if you're definitely able to do that to an opponent, then by all means do it. But the drawing or the dealing 10 damage is probably the most effective. It's it, in limited. This would be a really hard creature to play. You'd have to, you know, it, it's always hard to play three colors in limited, right? It's, you know, there's not a whole lot of, oh man, there, there's, I mean, we have the dual lands, the tap dual lands in um, M19, but other than that, it's kind of hard to get that mana fixing. We've got Manolith in the set and probably some ramp here, but you wouldn't be playing green in this. So it's, yeah, is, is there Evolving Wild in this set? I haven't even seen that spoiled. I mean, there's Rupture Spire, which is not bad. So that'd be able to help you out. So, um, yeah. I'm assuming Evolving Wilds is going to be in the set. You know what would really surprise me? If Terramorphic Expanse is in the set. Because we have not seen that printed in a long time since M10, I think. Not that we need Terramorphic Expanse or anything like that. It's exactly the same as Evolving Wilds. But it'd be nice to see. Um... So, yeah, that is the last Planeswalker card. Let's talk about the Elder Dragons here now. So, these next set of cards are the new Elder Dragons that got printed. We haven't seen the Elder Dragons since, what, Legends? Um, these are the original Elder Dragons from Legends, including Nicobolus, which we just talked about. Uh, the first one on the list is... I'm probably going to mispronounce all these names, so forgive me, please. I don't know how to pronounce any of this. Uh, first one is Arcadis or Arcades the strategist uh it is one green white and blue a three five elder dragon it has flying flying and vigilance whenever a creature with defender enters the battlefield under your control draw a card each creature you control defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it didn't have defender everybody's saying hey this is better than doran i have to disagree it is better than doran because doran doesn't care whether you have defender or not now if you're gonna make an all wall deck i mean hell go right at it it'd be funny but if if i do see some wall decks being played out there i'm gonna be playing some siege dragons and if you don't remember what siege dragon does siege dragon was an m15 card which 
reads, uh, let's read what Siege Dragon does. It is a five double red uh, casting cost, so it's a seven altogether. When Siege Dragon enters the battlefield, destroy all walls your opponents control. You know what? Screw your walls. Siege Dragon doesn't care about your walls. It'd be really funny. Um, I know I've told this story before, but I built a wall deck in um, M15 for Assault Formation. Uh, when, no, not M15. Um, when Dragon's Attack here came out, uh, the Assault Formation card came out, which allows you to you know, attack with toughness. And I had some walls and all that, and someone played a Siege Dragon against me and just wiped my board. And at that time, no one was playing Siege Dragon at all, so I was not even expecting it to even be played, and that was, that was fun times. So... It's if you're gonna play wall tribal, yeah, go for it. Or defender tribal, you know, this is the kind of commander card for you. Other than that, I, I don't see this card being that good. Um, not very limited playable because of the three colors and the ability. I mean, flying vigilance is really good, but the other ability, I mean, unless you're gonna play some slow ass control deck and limited, I, I don't see this card being very good. And in standard, eh. I mean, like I said, unless there's some sort of wall tribal or defender tribal in standard, you know, I don't see this card going many places. Uh, next one on our list is Chromium the Mutable, which is four uh, white, blue, and black, our Esper colors. Uh, it's a 7-7, seven, seven, has flash, the spell can't be countered, flying. Um, this next ability is really really good this will be a definite control finisher if esper control really becomes something and it just might with this card so you can discard a card until end of turn chromium the mutable becomes a human with base power and toughness one one loses all abilities and gains hexproof it can't be blocked this turn so you can go ahead and swing if you know hey someone's targeting him with something like a like a cast out or something like that um, you just, not a cast out, but a, um, yeah, a cast out. I'm thinking a seal away, uh, a cast out. You just discard a card and it gets hexproof essentially. And yeah, that, that, that's just such a good ability right now. Um, I think if I looked at all the others, it's probably one of the better elder dragons that we have right now. Um, if not the best one, uh, if we look at the next one, Palladia Moors, Palladia Moors the Ruiner, which is our Naya Dragon. Three, three generic red, green, white. Uh, Flying Vigilance tramples 6 6. Palladia Moors the Ruiner has hexproof if it hasn't dealt damage yet. So it, you know, it has hexproof right away, but as soon as it's dealt damage, it loses that hexproof. Um, but overall, pretty decent card. Um, definitely a beater card. Pretty fun. Um, and just your standard hit the face type kind of dragon the last one is the jun dragon and this is the one i'm going to completely mess up uh victus ve victus asmati the dire three black red and green uh six six flying dragon whenever ve victus attacks for each player choose target permanent that player controls those players sacrifice those permanents each player who sacrifice a permanent this way reveals the top card or the library then puts it on the battlefield if it's a permanent card so it can work out one of two ways you can you know choose permanents f uh, for the other players and make them get rid of it 
but then they also have this small chance of revealing an even better permanent card and putting it on the battlefield, or they can just reveal a land or reveal nothing else. And, um, you know, an instant or sorcery and just make it go to your hand. So it's not bad. Um, really good beater card, really good and limited too, actually, because making your permanent or making your opponent sacrifice a permanent that could be a pesty on the field is really good and hard to recover from as well too. All right, so that is about it with M19 that I'm going to go into. Yeah, I know there are so many other cards I can talk about, and without this whole cast being well over, you know, one to two hours, you know, hey, you you know, for anybody listening out there, let me hear your thoughts. Would you like me to do more episodes when a new set comes out and discuss the whole set and my thoughts on it? You know, let me know, because usually what I've done in the past and what I've been doing for a long time is just discussing key certain cards like the mythics the planeswalkers and other certain cards that are really exciting to talk about um you know let me get your thoughts would you want me to do full spoiler or full set spoilers and give my thoughts on each color um let me know reach out to me in twitter facebook um email you know and i'd be interested to hear if i get some feedback that people are interested interested in that then i can start doing that i'll start doing that with ravnica and if not because like i said i just I just enjoy talking about um, just the exciting cards, essentially. Um, but if you want to hear me talk about the entire set, you know, I'd be more than happy to do that as well. So let's get into some Magic Arena here. So it's been a while since I've even talked about it, and I haven't personally been playing as much. Um, they have, they just now released, well, not just now, but they just came out with Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. So it is a full standard right now on the game. And, you know, there's been more information on the economy, which if you're not familiar with is essentially the economy is you're going to be grinding for it all, or you're having to buy a lot of packs. And I've got some issues with just the game in general. Um, the gameplay itself is really, really good. There's nothing wrong with the gameplay. The UI is so nice and shiny. It looks really good to be playing Magic. It's a lot more exciting to watch compared to Magic Online. I still have some issues where I have um, problems where I'm not 100% sure on what's exactly going on in a game. Um, so that can still be a problem here. Um, other than that, it's it's slowly becoming its own thing. It's becoming better, and they, you know, the Magic Ring team has taken a lot of strides since the very closed beta that I played till now. Um, but there's some issues with the game, and it's gonna really kind of stop me from playing this too much. And I was probably excited the most about limited and now I don't even want to do anything with limited unless they change something about it. So first issue I have with the game is drafting. So I was really excited to start drafting on this game because I was thinking, Hey, it's going to be a much cheaper experience to draft on here than it is say if I were drafting on magic online, because magic online is about 12 bucks for a draft. If you don't have the packs or anything like that, which comes really close to about the real life price of an actual draft. Right. Um, so the problem with drafting magic arena is you're not drafting with other players. You're essentially just drafting with AI with bots and what it almost comes down to is almost feels like a pseudo kind of sealed in a way because you're just sort of picking the best card in each pack and 
the bots don't seem that smart enough. Maybe the AI is going to eventually get better with drafting, but right now the drafting felt really out of place. There would be times where I'd be drafting Dominaria or Aether Revolt and I'd get past some really, really, really good cards that should have never been passed to begin with. And it just made you question and go, what's going on here? Especially the best of one drafts, you're better off drafting an aggro deck more than anything. You're It's a waste of time if you're going to try to draft anything but aggro. Since it's a best of one, you want to try to kill your opponent as quick as possible. And it's it just doesn't feel fun. Um, you know, e- even the best of three drafts, it's, you know, you're, you're still drafting with bots. It doesn't feel like the real thing. Um so definitely didn't not having any fun with that and i can't see myself trying to draft in that program again unless they change it to where you can actually draft with people if you could if they had a way where you could draft with some friends maybe put in some bots as well to sort of supplement it i'd be okay with that say if i had four buddies and we wanted to draft on arena and play against each other you know uh, and then you just fill the rest with bots I'd be okay with that, even if you have to pay a little higher price for it. I'd be fine. Um, and, you know, it, it, but it's just not there, It and it's not fun. It's, it's really missing that kind of pod drafting feel. Um, the next is, if you're going to be a free-to-play player, it's going to take way too long to get any sort of decent collection, even a decent deck. Because even though they do really well with getting, you know, doing quests and getting gold... Um, if you're playing the casual, you know, best of one ladder and you're trying to grind those quests, it is going to be miserable because most times you're going to be up against people that, you know, have bought a bunch of packs and, and grinded out those decks. But if you're a casual player, good luck. Um, at least with Hearthstone, you can craft cards. Now, see, this is where the crafting quote unquote crafting system is not that great in arena you get something called wild cards which you can turn into cards that you need but there's no way to get rid of cards that you don't need so let's say m19 comes out and you opened up you know four omniscience but there's no deck that you're ever going to play that uses omniscience at all right you can't in hearthstone you could go and dust those cards in order to craft other cards you needed and here you can't do that if you have the if you manage to open up four omniscience you're stuck with them there's nothing you can do about it and that creates a lot of feel bads because there are a lot of rares and a lot of mythics out there that are just not standard playable and why even bother even getting those cards right whereas in real life if you opened up those cards you could be like well it's not standard playable but i could play this in edh or i could play it in modern or i could at least put it in my cube right you could do something with it even if it's a really crappy rare or crappy mythic there's the potential to do something else with it and arena right now it's like oh well if it's not good in standard then it's not really good anywhere else so that creates a lot of feel bads and for especially free to play players you you're stuck with that card you can't do anything with it and since you're not really able to craft the singles that you want i mean yeah there's the wild cards but if you don't have any wild cards what's the only other way to get wild cards you have to open more packs and that just leads you having to buy more packs i mean essentially you're gonna have to end up spending more money than you would what if you were trying to play standard on magic the gathering online 
since on Magic Online you could buy singles and have to spend way less money. Hell, and even with ManaTraders.com, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, there's an ad thrown in there. Um, you can at least rent a deck that you want to play for a standard event on Arena. You can't do that. Um, so that just leads you to having to spend too much money to get what you want and pray that you open it in the pack that you need. And that's not magic. You know, once a player learns that, hey, you know, you don't get cards by opening up sealed product, you get cards by going and buying what you need. It becomes a much easier, much cheaper and more affordable way to play magic instead of just having to buy nothing but sealed product. And if the only way for you to get cards in Magic Arena is just by buying sealed product, essentially, then I'd, I I feel so bad for people that are just going to be casual free players and they're just never going to be able to get that kind of decent deck unless they put a lot of hours and grinding in it. And that's just not fun. Um, let's just be honest here. It's not fun to do that grind. Hey, some people may find it. They're masochists, you know. I enjoy a good grind in an RPG and all that stuff. But in a card game like this, especially Magic, Hearthstone, I don't mind a bit of a grind because it does feel easier to get a decent deck for ladder. Um, for Magic, for Magic though, I don't want to have to grind. I want to be able to just look at a deck and be like, hey, I want that deck, and then go buy the singles that I need and want. So those are my thoughts on Arena. I mean, wh what do you guys think about it? It's I, I'm I'm honestly not getting that excited about the game now, because um, you know, I expected a grind like this to be able to get cards, but I think what kind of did it for me was the drafting with bots. I was really kind of hoping to I, I can understand best of one drafting with bots. That that I can understand because it's a quick you know way to just sort of draft, but it feels like a pseudo sealed, and it. It just doesn't feel fun. If they had a sealed, you know, that I wouldn't mind, you know, being able to do sealed that way. I haven't heard if they're going to be doing sealed in Arena. I hope they do because at least there's less feel-bads in a way. Um, at least I could practice my sealed instead of, you know, doing booster draft. Um, but other than that, I don't see myself really playing this too much. You know, I'm just going to be honest out there. I, I was super excited about it at first. I gave it a lot of praise and I was one of the people just saying, hey, we need to wait. We need to wait. It's still in beta. But if this is the way it's going to go and this is the way it looks like, you know, it, th this is not going to be the game for me. And that's not a bad thing because this is the game for someone else out there. It's just not for me. I'll just unfortunately stick with Magic Online because, you know, I've had a lot to say about Magic Online, which, you know, I, I do enjoy, really enjoy Magic Online for Popper and Commander, most of all, more than anything. Um, so the next topic is just talking about something personal. I've been honestly feeling the burnout of Magic the Gathering, and I don't think it has anything to do with the amount of product that's coming out now i'm fine with the amount of product coming out you know we just had battle bond i love that set uh george and i did a sort of pseudo sealed with battle bond where we played against each other and oh my god i should have wrote down the list he he built out of the six packs he built this ridiculous green black warrior-esque kind of deck and just wrecked my face every single time i played a salt eye deck uh green black well no 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 it was um no it was definitely more green blue with a splash of black because i just put in some black removal and um it just it was too slow for george's deck and 
it, it was a fun time. And then we opened up the rest of the packs, and I managed to get the two Planeswalker, the Twins, and um, you know, what else? I had an Arena Erector and all that. But no, I got to be honest, guys, I'm feeling the burnout. Like it's maybe it's due to a lack of a game store going on right now, and that George and I have tried some other game stores, and it's just. <sighs> Especially after last last week's episode, yeah, I understand. If you listen to last week's episode, it was a really harsh episode. I get it. I mean, I was really harsh. I, <laughs> it, it was bad. And looking back on it now, I'm just like, damn, I was really harsh. But you know, for good reason too, because, and like I said, maybe it's just my area where it produces not the the best type of people to play magic with. It's also it's it's kind of draining in a sense. You know, because if I'm going to travel down to FNM somewhere, I just want to have a good time and have fun, right? I'm not competitive anymore. It's I've lost all aspiration to be competitive in Magic the Gathering. It's I just enjoy playing. And I think the lack of a local game store that is really close to me is kind of making me feel like I don't really feel like playing Magic too much. Um, I'm still building some decks here and there. I'm still playing with my kids and... You know, George and I will get together and play, and it's. But other than that, I'm just kind of not feeling it. Like, I, I, I'm excited about M19, but since I don't have a store, and I'm hoping there's a new store coming that's supposed to be opening up next month, but I don't know. If, I don't think they're going to be open in time for M19 pre-release. So, I mean, the stores that I have available that are going to have pre-release, I don't even know. If, I don't know if I even want to go to any of them. Because one, it's a long drive, and two, it's just, I don't really like those stores to begin with. And uh, yeah, I'm just feeling the burnout, folks. It's, and it sucks because I don't want to feel that burnout. It, it was really hard to even want to do this podcast this week because it's just, well, I mean, I have so much other personal stuff going on right now, and it's, I'm going through something really, really hard right now personally, and there's a few people out there that do know what I'm going through, and it's been especially hard this week of even to want to do this, right? And it's not that I don't want to do this. I, I love doing this podcast, right? It's just I'm going through something that no parent should have to go through, and that's probably all I'm going to say, and it's 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 tough. It's tough. There's... there's um. A lot of good days, a lot of bad days. It's just been these past few weeks have been really, really terrible, I will say. Um, and magic, I'm just not really feeling that Planeswalker spark, so to say, to even want to even play magic. And, you know, maybe part of no local game store is doing that too because we've seen too many close down and, you know, it's just, it sucks. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to put that out there that yeah, I'm sort of feeling the burnout for it, and it's I'm I'm hoping to reinvigorate myself and you know get excited again. Um, but we just gotta wait and see there. Uh, so usually when I'm trying to do solo episodes, I like to try to do a Q and A, and um, I'm really bad at remembering to put it out there on social media that hey, ask me any questions or anything. But I only got one question, and that was from our buddy T1 Glistener Elf, who has been on the podcast before and has asked me other questions before, actually. And that is my thoughts on E3. So if you listen to my latest VCR Gaming podcast episode where my co-host and I did talk about E3, you'll know that our thoughts on it were not the greatest. I will say uh, I'm 
probably the game I'm excited about the most is the PS4 game Ghost of Tsushima. So if you know me, I'm I've been a martial artist for a long time, right? I'm not currently practicing, but it doesn't mean I still I still don't think about it all the time, and I pra- and I try to practice it at least the tenets of being a martial artist daily, right? I mean, I'm not the greatest at it, don't get me wrong, but um, and I've been a huge uh, martial arts film fanatic, and that also includes samurai f- films as well too. So Ghost of Tsushima is basically a samurai game, and when I first saw it. You know, like, hey, it looks gorgeous and all that. And I was, and the art was really cool, but I was kind of worried it was going to be one of those kind of action slash beat em up games. Because when you saw him in the vid- little gameplay video go up against three other samurai, I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those you got to slash at them 15, 20 times before they go down. But I was super surprised where it shows him slash, like, slashing one guy in one hit and he goes down and dies. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, this may be a little bit more realistic and it definitely looked more realistic where he would do an attack like stab someone in the stomach and they instantly fall down and either die immediately or slowly die and I'm just thinking to myself okay I could get behind this it's more realistic and I'm I like that aspect not that I don't like fantasy games like that where you have to hack and slash it's just you see so many of them I mean Look at the Uncharted series. That's a good example. If I'm shooting you with a gun, you should not have to take 20 hits to go down with a gun, right? If I shoot you in the face, you should just go down instantly. Granted, I know a lot of shooting games aren't like that, but it gets a little tiring when you're shooting someone in the face and they're just like, oh, I take 30 hits to go down and all that. It gets a little tiring after a while, especially in a game like Uncharted where it's supposed to be a little bit more based in reality, right? Um, and this and this Ghost of Tsushima does seem to be a little bit more based in reality where you stab someone with a sword, they're most likely not going to get back up with it. And it kind of looked like where if you, the player, got stabbed with a sword or something like that you're most likely not going to get back up either and i'm i'm okay with that it looked really cool some of the other games that looked really awesome were death stranding um talked about on vcr gaming where anything with hideo kojima what he does is i'm down for it the the more that i see that gets released with death stranding the more that i have no idea what the fuck is going on and the more it makes me interested in wanting to know what the fuck is going on so it's sort of it's it's almost having the opposite effect to where the more information that gets released the less we know which is common for a hideo kojima game right i mean if you've played metal gear solid um yeah you'll you'll know you have no idea what the fuck is going on ever and even when you beat the game you're just sort of like i still don't know what i just what just happened um yeah, those are my basic thoughts on E3. Microsoft, bleh. EA, bleh. I don't fucking care about any of them. Um, Ubisoft, uh, excited about Assassin's Creed. I'm an Assassin's Creed fanboy. What can I say? Uh, you know, I, I'm a Call of Duty fanboy. Uh, Call of Duty games are just nice kind of popcorn flick fun. They're like Michael Bay movies where they're just mindless, um, r- really fun games. I, I love Call of I've been playing Call of Duty since the very first one on computer, and I've been obsessed since. Um, God, what else? You know, Nintendo, Super Smash Brothers. I know you're a really huge Smash Brothers fan, T1 Glistener Elf. Um, I'm not. The game. I'm definitely going to pick up the new Smash Brothers game because I know my kids and I will love it. Um, but other than that, it's you know, 
and it's a Smash Brothers game. I mean, some of the other games they're showing, I'm so excited about Octopath Traveler. I I have played the demo of it uh, what, a couple months ago or something, fell in love, instantly loved it, and definitely going to be picking up the game. It's I'm such an RPG junkie, um, especially Japanese RPGs. I love me some Final Fantasy, Suikoden, you know, all that kind of stuff, Lunar, all that. But overall, the thoughts on E3 overall were kind of meh. I mean, there was no new hardware introduced, so it's all it's all just games that they're talking about. And, you know, there were some good games, some very okay, like, meh games. You know, Last of Us 2, they showed some more footage on that, and it looks like a Last of Us game. I mean, I'm excited to play it, don't get me wrong. I, I know I'm going to play it and enjoy the hell out of it. But it, it played, it looked it looked just like a Last of Us game, which, you know, hopefully they improved on it from the first one, and... You know, I'm definitely excited about it, and I'm down to play it. Um, Sp- the Spider-Man game, it looked fun. Spider-Man, a.k.a. Batman. It looked like a Batman Arkham game, and but you're Spider-Man instead. And, yeah, those are pretty much my thoughts on it. It was kind of kind of average E3. No- nothing really blew me away except Ghost of Tsushima. Other than that, you know, it was okay. So that brings me to the end of my podcast here. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And I don't know, just thank guys. You know, I, I really do have to say this and I probably don't say it enough and maybe I do, but I really want to thank everybody who listens to this show. All right. It's, it's really, you, you really get jaded because when you do episodes like this every week, you don't even really think of, you know, just the people who listen and the people who do enjoy the show. And it's, you know, I, I really do appreciate it. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't say it enough. Maybe I don't come across as being thankful I don't know but I do thank everybody who listens to the show and I I really do cherish anyone who you know does write to me or says hey good show and all that um I I am very self-deprecating so when I hear people say like oh you know I really enjoy this podcast or whatever it's one of the best podcasts I'm like of course in my mind I'm thinking are are, are you listening to the correct show here are you listening to the right one um (laughs) Because it's, you know, eh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's I'm, I'm thankful for it, and I appreciate it, and just appreciate every one of you. And, you know, you guys are all great, and everyone, guys, girls, whoever else out there is, you know, I, I appreciate it. I think it's the easiest thing for me to say. So have a great night, everybody, okay? Hey, everybody, Zuby here, and I really hope you enjoyed listening to this week's show. If you want to reach out with any questions or comments or anything like that, you can definitely hit me up at the following on facebook.com slash magicwithzuby. You can hit me up on Twitter at magicwithzuby. We've also got an Instagram. I think the Instagram is at magic underscore with underscore zuby. You can also send me an email at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And that's probably the best way to get in contact with me. Um, If you also want to help support the show... Um, you can check our Patreon out at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. A lot of cool prizes and rewards there for um, people who sign up. I'd also like to thank my sponsors, legitmtg.com, for um, helping the show out. And for a long time now, it's been been a while, they've been a sponsor of Magic with Zuby. Um, if you want to order any Magic singles or sealed product, and you want free shipping with that, just order... 
anything over $2 or more and you get free shipping anywhere within the United States. They've got a wide array of selection of singles and sealed product. Um, definitely the current up-to-date stuff is the best. Um, and so be sure to check out legitmtg.com. Also like to thank manatraders.com for being a relatively new sponsor of Magic Wazoobie. Really appreciate um, them sponsoring us here. So if you are tired of buying singles on Magic Online and you want to, you know, have the top tier deck because you want a challenge, there's a league or a challenge or a mox that you want to be a part of and you think you have a good chance of winning, Mana Traders is there for you. Uh, Mana Traders allows you to rent any cards and decks you want for a monthly price for as low as $9.95 a month. Um, you can use the coupon code MTGZUBI when you check out and get 15% off your first three months. Uh, that's manatraders.com, so be sure to check them out. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. And like I said, thank you again for listening to Magic with Zuby here.